Welcome to another edition of the Rebel Room, a Las Vegas Sun podcast. I'm Ray Brewer alongside Mike Germala talking all things UNLV athletics. And Mike, it's the glorious time of the year where we've got dual sports to talk about. The UNLV basketball team on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, uh, plays Southern in the, uh, the lid lifter at the Thomas and Mack Center with the new court, of course. And football Friday has a, a game against Wyoming. The UNLV football team seven and two, looking to go to eight and two, still very much alive in the race for the Mountain West Championship. Uh, I guess we'll start basketball. Why waste any time uh, beating around the bush? Is this the year that they go to that thing called the tournament? Where yes. the best 68 teams go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We actually just uh, turned in my predictions for the season. I said, yes, NCAA tournament. I've got them 11-1 non-conference, 13-5 and in the Mountain West. You add that up, what's that, 24-6? and 13-5 and in the Mountain West. Yeah. That's, a good, that's fourth place for me. Okay. Um, and I feel like you. this is a league where you're probably going to get four teams in. Um. So you do that, you win a game in the Mountain West Tournament, you're in the semis, you're playing on that Friday for the first time in nine years, amazingly, if you can believe that. And I feel like that's uh, probably going to be enough. You get to 25-7 and seven after the conference tournament is done, you sit down on Selection Sunday, you beat a couple of ranked teams during the season, and uh, you hear your name called. You're like a, what, a 10 or a, I don't know where you would be bracketology-wise, but I feel like that gets them in. 25-7? and seven. Yeah. That's a lot of wins. It's a lot. Okay. I mean... I, I surprised myself. I sat down. I started going wins and loss to schedule one by one. I gave them some some tough wins. Um, I gave them some surprising losses, too, I thought, but... Yeah, I mean, every season has a flow of surprising losses. Unfortunately, the last nine years, there's been more surprising losses than surprising wins. I mean, I've got them... Splitting with San Diego State. That would be surprising. I've got them splitting with uh, New Mexico. I've got them being swept by Boise State. And I've got them sweeping UNR, which may be surprising. UNR is supposed to be good, but Kevin Kruger has never lost to them. Um, He's undefeated. He seems to have their number. They won up there last year. His only saving grace. So... I wouldn't say only uh, at this point, but yeah, so I didn't feel like it was completely out of the realm as I was going through it. I've got them beating St. Mary's in a neutral neutral site game in Phoenix. St. Mary's is ranked. They're number 23 in the, the preseason poll. Barely. What, what about Florida State? I've got them winning that game and winning the next game in that, that sunshine slam that they're playing in Daytona Beach in a few weeks. Um, Florida State, and then I believe the second game will either be Colorado or Richmond. And yeah. I got them winning that one, too. Okay. Do you think that's hard to – is that too much to expect? Well, I mean, my my primary concern is they they play Pepperdine in Malibu on uh, Friday the 17th. They do. Right? And then they've got to go from L.A. to Florida, right? L.A. to Orlando, I'm guessing. They'll probably fly directly into, like, Daytona Beach or somewhere, like, closer. Than Orlando for a Monday game, yeah, against a team that doesn't have a big commute, yeah. 
and I not knowing as much as I know about Florida, I should know about Florida State, but that seems like it's. I mean, the Pepperdine game for me is a, is going to be a challenge. They're only going to be what a five or a six point favorite that but day. I also put some stock into last year. UNLV played really really well in non conference play. Like one of their mm-hmm. the best things about them was that the coaching staff had them completely locked in for those first 10 games. Like some teams come out of the gate still trying to figure things out, style of play, strategy, rotation, and it works it out. But UNLV was not like that last year. They came firing out of the gate. This is exactly who we are. Everyone's bought into the game plan, and they ran off those those 10 straight wins. Um, so I think you'll see some of that again this year. I think that they've got a pretty good grasp. You know, it's there's still some fluidity in terms of players' availability. But I think that gives them an advantage maybe early in the season if they play Florida State and, you know, UNLV's got six games under their belt. Florida State's got, you know, the same amount. And I feel like UNLV probably further along development-wise at that point. I don't know how many points that's worth in the, the spread, but I feel like it's it's worth something. Yeah, I just, I mean, the the guy at Pepperdine, uh, Lorenzo Romar, Lamar, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know how to say last name. He's coached before. Yeah, he's coached this is big, not, big time programs. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think to me that's going to be a hiccup game, a, a game they're they're going to have to fight to until the end. Um, in, in my humble opinion, but it, it's good to talk to you and I'll be basketball. You you mentioned the roster, yeah. Um, the Boone brothers. One is going to miss uh, Wednesday's game. UNLV's got no more comment on it other than the guy got a DUI and it's just one game. Uh, slap on the, slap wrist. on the wrist. We'll have the hearing after the season. Um, blah blah blah, and uh, it is what it is, right? They've got to win twenty four games, so he's going to play in twenty three of them. Is basically what it comes down to. And then his the twin brother Keelan Boone, still waiting for that waiver from the NCAA. I don't think he's going to get it. But the good news is um, UNLV and Kevin Kruger seem pretty optimistic that um, if. There's another route where he can graduate this semester because he is a fifth-year senior, so he's got a lot of credits racked up. He can graduate this semester, and if you're a grad transfer, you can play immediately. Even, so he's even if he's a grad transfer before. from UNLV to, to UNLV. UNLV. <laughs> yes. So in a roundabout way, he'll, it'll be like a delayed grad transfer. He'll be available for the games that occur after his graduation, which I don't know when UNLV's semester officially ends or how that works Um but uh, do the probably, grades have to be posted? Or? Yeah, or does he have to walk across the stage? Or I, I don't know what the yeah. official marker of graduation is for the NCAA's eyes. But I looks at some point in December he would become eligible, and they'll get him at that point. So you probably won't get him for the first month of the season, mm-hmm. but they will get him for the important games, and that's good because he's been really good in practice. Like he he and Justin Webster just today. I'm just coming from UNLV practice. They had a stretch in, in warm-ups where they were going one after the other in shooting warm-ups where the whole team goes through mm-hmm. the, the drills. And combined, they must have made 20 in a row between the two of them. Um, so if you can get those two guys on the court at the same time, that's a, a good look offensively. 20 so, in a row with no defense. Yeah, I mean, it's a drill. but I mean, you could have made 10 in a row. I, I have in the past, but not these guys. When I say it's a shooting drill for them, you and I would be completely winded after going through like two rotations because they go through it, you know, fast and they're running. Okay. And um, so I don't even think I could make it through the drill. But th- those are two excellent shooters. So if they can get Keelan Boone back, you know, the sooner the better. But it sounds like they'll have him for most of conference play. That's good. Um, you know, 
I, I, I would say some of the optimism is DJ Thomas, the Liberty grad, uh, who would have been a McDonald's All-American, but he reclassified. He got the UNLB early. Um, true freshman, uh, running the show. How quick until he gets acclimated to... That's a good Division question. Division one basketball. He I didn't mean, play in the, any of the, the. They had two closed scrimmages. Um, he didn't play in either one because he had you know a little bit of a hand injury, nothing serious. But they didn't play him. But he's been practicing and he's going to. He's Craven Kruger said he's a full go for Wednesday. So Kruger seems to believe that he is just a natural and he's just going to go out there. They're going to roll, give him the the keys and he's just going to let his talent do the thing. So. He's very fast. Like hey, you've seen him play a bunch of times. He's really fast. He's going to be the fastest guy on the team with the ball in his hands. Maybe uh, among the fastest in the conference. They're just going to turn him loose, go score, create assists, get out in the open court. So in terms of th- that type of thing in non-conference, when there's not a whole lot of scouting and it's more open court, he's just running as fast as he can. Hit great. I'm, I'm assuming he'll come out and start really fast. Um, the question is when conference play starts. And he's going, they're playing Colorado State, and they've got a fifth-year senior at point guard and a bunch of seniors, like, knocking him around on screens and, you know, contacting him and the game's slowing down. What does he have in his back pocket at that point? So that's where the coaching, you got to probably a month to coach him up and get him ready for that, those kind of games. Yeah, what a, what a fun time to be in. Uh, the the roster is revamped. You think they're going to make the tournament before we move I on? I mean, you, you could have asked me, the last time they went to the tournament was, what, 12-13, right? Yeah, yeah. And you could have asked me every year since then if I thought they were going to the tournament. And I probably would have said yes, you know, in the Dave Rice years, probably every year, right? Um, Marvin Menzies' first year, absolutely not. I mean, that was the worst team I've ever seen at UNLV, mm-hmm. right? Maybe Marvin Menzies' second year, even though they got Brandon McCoy and there was a ton of hype. And they um, started out that season very well. Yeah. They, they looked like they were for real, but yeah. then they were not. Yeah, but didn't they finish like third in the league that year? They, they, they did have a year where they believe they went 12-6 and six in conference play, and they did finish with a high um, mm-hmm. ranking. But it was one of those years they didn't beat any of the top five teams, and they swept all of the bottom six teams. So they were UNLV was like the middle-of-the-road marker. It wasn't like they were a real contender. Um, yeah, I just here's my deal. I'm not again. I, I just. It's been a while, right? And, you know, UNLV has struggled. The, the only thing they've consistently been is inconsistent, and um, they've had so many good stretches of good plays over the last ten years. Right? They've beat ranked teams. Um, they, but I mean, they can't sniff the NIT. They can't win a, the league tournaments at their home court, and they're either a playing in the playing game or b losing. Like they can't haven't been. When was the last time they played in the semifinals? Two thousand and fourteen. The last time they went to they played in that Friday semifinal game. That's a long, long. That's almost more unbelievable than the NCAA streak is the fact that they haven't played in the semis of the Mountain West tourney in yeah. nine years. And, and to me, you have to play in that game to be in consideration for the league. Yeah. You know. Um, and if you just get blown out by, like San Diego State, if they blow you out both times, you know, and if Boise beats you both times, 
you know, somehow you're going to have to grab some wins in league against some of the teams ahead of you on the pecking order. I think, speaking to your point about inconsistency, I'll take the the, um, the hat, glass half full role here because I think that I tell you, you've got Jalen Hill, who's a fifth year guy. You've got Luis Rodriguez, who's a fifth or maybe even a sixth year guy. Um, you've got the Boons, who are both fifth year guys. Uh, you've got Justin Webster, who's a, another super senior. Like these guys have all played a ton of college basketball. You know what you're getting basically from all of them on a nightly basis. So I don't. I think consistency wise, you're good. Have those guys played in combined? Jalen Hill has been in there. I think did did the Boons make it with Oklahoma State? I don't know. I'd have to go back and check. Did Rodriguez make it with Mississippi? So you you may not have a ton of tournament experience. Hill's made it twice. So I feel like you've got a baseline of at least five or six guys in your rotation who you can pretty much count on to deliver. They may not be superstars. And then you throw in a guy like DJ Thomas who might be a superstar as like the ultimate ceiling raiser. If he comes out and he's awesome, which he might be, then your ceiling is just so much higher. So I, I think that the one hope would be that you brought in like a guy like Jalen Hill from Oklahoma – and the Big 12 is arguably the best basketball league in the nation. And in Mount West, he'll be a world. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, Webster and Rodriguez will continue to progress. And with Thomas bringing the ball up the court, that gets the ball out of their hands, maybe lets them be a better version of themselves. And then the Boone brothers, if they play and how they play or whatever they play, they're the cherry on top. Okay. Right. Yeah. I could see that, if especially because Keelan may be like a second-half addition. So I could see them being like, like you said, that they sort of raise the, the level. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not so much worried about the inc- – I don't think they'll bottom out. I don't think there's a chance that they're like bad or seriously underperform expectations. Um, I think, you know, the – What's the worst case scenario? Like ten and eight in Mountain West play, like you know, just barely above five hundred. I feel like that's their worst case if everything goes wrong, which is not that bad. But then their best case is probably, you know, if the all everyone plays, you know, uh, great and DJ Thomas is, you know, the national freshman of the year, then you could be looking at like a Mountain West contender. So, I'm I'm pretty high on them this year. Okay, well, I I, I think we need to trust you because. You're the man. You're, you're closer to the team than most. And, uh, it, you know, all systems that go. But even if basketball struggles, at least we got the football team. And when was the last time you could say that? Never. At the football yeah. team in, still in play for the Mountain West Championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great season. Um, really liked the game against New Mexico last weekend where um, they just – beat up on an inferior opponent, ran right over him. Vicious. Um, that that was impressive to see because, first of all, that had to have been the largest margin of victory on the road for UNLV ever. Um, I can't remember. This is a team that could never get a road win. And in previous years, a game like that would have been still a touchdown game. And they just destroyed the team on the road. It was very impressive. Yeah, their their offense continues to be 
just you know the the surprise of well not so much a surprise we knew it was possible but just the, like the feel good story like this offense like every week 40 plus this week 50 plus um Jaden Maiava freshman quarterback three touchdowns 300 plus yards this week um Ricky White he's going to go over 1000 yards he's going to be all mountain west at receiver um he could make a case for all American at receiver, depending on how he finishes the season. He, you know, he's mm-hmm. number eleven in the country in receiving yards. Yeah, he's having a crazy good season. Um, they got a bunch of running backs that all have like eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns. Um, so yeah, but the the interesting thing, or what I'm looking at this week with Wyoming, if you win this game against Wyoming at home, which you should probably, you're favored, I, mm-hmm. I, I would assume. That sets up. UNLV at Air Force, where if you beat Air Force, you then are tied with them and have the tiebreaker over them for the Mountain West title game. So it's almost like a win-and-you're-in kind of situation. So would that be the biggest game in the program's history if you go if you go up to Air Force next week with a chance to play your way into the Mountain West title game? Yes. Like I, I mean, sh- yeah. So that makes... And they've been... The Las Vegas Bowl game against Arkansas was pretty significant. It's when, you know, John Robinson was here, and there was this great hope that UNLV could become that football competent school that they needed to be, right? Yeah. Um, That was a big game. SEC opponent at home. UNLV was seven years removed, give or take, eight years removed from being good in basketball. There were still no pro sports here. Locals were desperate for something. They showed out in full force at Sam Boyd Stadium for that Arkansas game, and they beat a SEC opponent. That was a big spot. I don't okay. know if going to play in the minus 10-degree snow at Air Force with nobody in the crowd is going to be, you know, it's significant on the outside looking in, but only if they get to that Mountain West title game, I'd rather win that than a bowl game. I'd rather be the Mountain West champions than a, a bowl champion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, the Mountain West, I, it's, it's, we did, I think we did this on the last podcast too, where we got so far ahead of ourselves, but it's funny because like, just to think that UNLV, we're even having a conversation about like, the Mountain West Championship. But if you, I wonder what the odds are, um, the futures for, like, they've got to be probably third uh, in the league to, to win the Mountain West Championship at this point. And to have that happen in Barry Odom's first season, I don't think anyone saw it coming. But, um, yeah, pretty much all they got to do is beat Wyoming on Friday night, and then it's that's the situation you're looking at. So this is kind of a... I mean, are you worried about, you worried about like a look ahead situation? For, or? for me, I what what I think is is important about what's going on with football is that it looks and feels like this might not be a one time thing, right? Because UNLV has pieced together good seasons every twenty years, right? Or bowl qualifying seasons every twenty years, and then they return to the they're losing ways. And for me, the fact that the infrastructure is in place now to where, right, they've got the highest paid coach. They've got the best practice facility. They're playing in this NFL stadium. 
they've made an investment in football for long-term growth. And you're seeing it right now in a 7-2 and two season. But if they go back to 4-8 and eight next year, you know, uh, the Mountain West is just... I think when you talk about the infrastructure, you also need to just talk about the state of the league. Because the Mountain West is a league where the teams they're playing against are just massively undersourced, right? Hawaii can't get a new stadium. They're playing on campus. San Jose is going through a major rebuild right now. Um, Reno, we know their struggles financially and how that stadium looks. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen the Reno crowds. There's nobody at the games. Yeah, we were just up there a couple weeks ago. A community that has nothing else going on. There's not a single person at the game uh, a guy I'm friends with on Facebook his son plays for UNR and he's got video of them like running onto the field with his kid holding the flag and I swear to God it's like they're practicing running there's nobody there like gigantic portions of the stadium right Colorado State's in great shape financially maybe better than UNLV right New Mexico you were there last week yeah not exactly you know, a football haven. You know, uh, Boise, of course, has great history and tradition, but they're struggling. They, they don't have a good coach. Yeah. That guy's going to get fired. You know, um, UNLV right now is checking all the boxes, and it's at a historic low time for their league. They don't have to beat Utah or TCU or BYU or whomever for, for league bragging rights. They're beating, you know, it's – it's so perfect right now. Yeah, I, I must be in a good mood because I'm super optimistic. I would say, like, when the chaos gives you an opportunity to UNLV, why not use this opportunity to become the number one flagship football program in this conference? If yeah. everyone else is down and struggling and having all these um, existential crises yeah. with their football programs, you are not. Like, you. this is the golden era for UNLV, so why not... Um, seize it and go the extra mile and try to establish your, establish yourself as the Boise State for the next ten years. Which means when it's t- when Brennan Marion gets an offer from you know Bowling Green to be the head coach this offseason, or some Power Five team, um, South Carolina says, "Hey, we'll give you a million dollars or seven figures to be our offensive coordinator." Do you step up and try to retain him and pay him an extraordinary amount to stay? Um, when someone comes for Odom this offseason or next offseason, do you pay him twice as much as any other coach in the conference? Like, how far are you willing to go to establish yourself as the dominant football program if you think that's a possibility? So those are the kind of questions you and I will be facing, I think, big picture after the season. Um, but that, that's, that, those are exciting questions to ask, and all they got to do is beat Wyoming on Friday, and you're looking at some – just huge possibilities. Yeah. And UNLV is a four-point favorite against uh, the Cowboys at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the late pa- I, the late Fox uh, Sports Net game or whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe maybe a lot of eyes on UNLV. Maybe for the first time this season, a lot of people may be tuning in to see them. Um, yeah. they It's a good matchup. I, I like their chances. Um, Wyoming, the power run team, they just want to pound it. 
UNLV, surprisingly good against the run this year. I think they are top 25 in yards per carry allowed and yards per game allowed on the ground. Like They prioritize stopping the run. They commit bodies to the, to the, the trenches to close down running lanes. I think it's a good matchup for them. I think they'll score points. I think they win. And the Doug Brumfeld uh, update is there's no update. Yeah, he did not make the trip to New Mexico. Second week in a row, he has not traveled with the team. I don't think we're going to see him again this year. I think he had the, the concussion. He lost his job. He's not suiting up now for road games. I think if uh, Jaden Maiava were to get dinged up during the game on Friday, I think Cameron Friel goes in, and he's your number two guy. And I, I don't think we're going to see Doug Rumfield again, yeah. which is sad for him. He was coming in. This was supposed to be his season. Um, but it just didn't work out that way. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's our Rebel Room. Mike's got the basketball team in the NCAAs, the football team in the Rose Bowl, and he's the most positive he's been in... I'm in a good mood. ...his entire life here on the Rebel Room. Um, thank you, everybody, for reading our coverage, especially when Mike's on the road, and supporting the Las Vegas Sun newspaper newspaper.